You are now entering the MXU podcast. No credentials required. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 155 of the MXU podcast. I'm Jeff Sandstrom, and I'm here as always with my co-host, partner in crime, Dadu Worldwide himself, Jay Desai. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing so good. You know why? Because you are now off the tour bus. I am. And anytime you can be home for a few days, sleeping in your own bed, not being on a bus that's breaking down every other night, it's got to be a good day. I feel like you're targeting me talking about, (laughs) I will say the bus didn't actually break down, but the trailer. Okay, the trailer had issues. Not so much. I mean, the bus had its fair share of issues. Uh, If anyone would like to give me a little over a mil, probably, let's just say one, let's round it up, 1.5. So I could have my own bus, so I don't have Pad to the fund them. a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm gonna need some things like you got to buy fuel. You got to pay a driver. I mean, it's you know. Yeah, I'm gonna need to update some of the appliances. Like, how have bus companies not figured out Sonos is the best thing you can put in a bus? That's a great question. I, you know, it's funny because there are very few buses that have the AV side of things worked out really well. I think I feel like it's our someone's dad that like spends spends too much time in best buy right so like knows enough to be dangerous yeah i think we need some of our integrator friends to get on the bus literally and integrate proper av into tour buses because whether it's i mean whether it's you need another adapter you don't have the right hdmi setup you don't have the right router you don't have the right whatever it happens on every bus that I'm on, and it's just infuriating. I mean, just like how, like wireless charging pads, USB ports. I mean, you, you name. How many times have you walked in the front lounge and someone's stupid power cable stretched over the lounge all the just time? So I've, I've got some guys. Don't make, don't catch me ungrateful. Very grateful to not be in a 15 passenger, but but it is 2023. Like, I would like just a few upgrades. So. Um, yeah, but I did love the bus because I loved the people. Yeah. And uh, the swims, kids were with us for a little bit. And I think Paloma's two and a half, Luna's five, and Joaquin is um, eight. And they're precious. They know how to tour. So it's not like. So you're not babysitting. They love the tour bus. They know how to sleep on a tour bus. But one morning, my curtain was ripped. Anyone that's toured with me knows. Well, or just in general, the rule is the curtain line is like a it's a it, it's the wall. Do not it's breach. The fence. Yeah, do yeah. not breach um, unless I'm doing bunk checks to make sure everyone's on the bus. Um, like there's just no need, you know. But one of the girls, and I couldn't even tell you which one it was. It was either Paloma or Luna. Ripped open my bunk curtain like probably six six thirty a.m. <laughs> and just said, "Dadu, have you seen Bluey?" And the words that were in my head and the words that came out, thankfully, Jesus, were very different. I said, baby girl, you you better get in here and snuggle or you better run. And all I heard was footsteps running away, which I just want y'all to know that pretty much sums up my dating life. (laughs) You've never asked me to snuggle. Yeah, yeah, you've never breached my curtain line. (laughs) Amen. Amen to that. Uh, one t- I do remember one time, Kenny, when I was with Crowder, Kenny needed to wake me up at that ungodly hour because he was probably awake with the bus driver, and the bus driver was probably trying to get my attention. And I remember him hitting the curtain and going, Jay, it's Kenny. Don't shoot. <laughs> <laughs> That's an appropriate uh, response, I think. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. So anyways, um, it was super, super cute. Yeah, that's great. And I loved it. So if you haven't been on a tour bus before and you find yourself getting asked to be a part of a group that's going to be on the road, there are some bus etiquette things that maybe some people don't know. And one of which is if the curtain is closed, it's, it's a line you do not cross. But like Kenny banging on the curtain, it's like knocking on a door. You just knock gently on the curtain try to get someone's attention. You don't rip anything open. You don't go where you're not welcome. It's just, it's common courtesy. Yeah. And I, man, and when I sleep in my bunk after a long day, I'm out. I've got, I've got one of those uh, Tempur-Pedic pillows. And a, and and a weighted blanket. And a weighted blanket. And, and it's just magic in there. Yeah. 
It is snuggled up paradise. So. Cold and dark. Um, cold and dark. Just and like your personality. Power. Just straight up like me. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was wonderful times. So, Well, I did notice from some of the socials that you guys did not miss a chance to go to Bucky's. So for people who aren't anywhere near a Bucky's or don't know what that is, why don't you enlighten the good people on the MXU podcast about Bucky's? Honestly, there's a TV show needing to happen, but uh, most of the people I was traveling with were from the left side of the country. Um, In we're more not ways than once. We're not, yeah, they're uh, from California, and so they don't have Bucky's. Bucky's is really Texas all the way to Georgia. And imagine people of Walmart meets the biggest gas station, meets an eatery, cafeteria meets a fueling station you can get a pulled pork sandwich that's delicious you can get beef jerky in so many flavors they have a so beef jerky candy. bar they do have a beef jerky bar they have pizza they have burritos it's just the biggest gas station also they have clothes yeah they have like it's a brand so check out bucky's if you haven't um and the swim crew the ones that live out on the west coast Love it because I don't have anything like that, and so it doesn't matter what time of night it is. It's always you just slam. You just yell Bucky's, and everyone's up, and everyone's going in Bucky's. It's always busy. It's, it's always but as busy as it is, it's always clean. The restrooms are amazing. Like right, you know if uh, it's just it's a it's an experience. If you don't, if you can't trust that fart, it is a great place to figure it out. <laughs> Leave your laminate in the driver's passenger seat because he's going to need to know that you're not on the bus. You're going to need a minute. Um, yeah, honestly, it was great. Uh, we have had Gene Kim on the podcast before. Who doesn't love Gene Kim? Uh, no one. He's he's more a life coach than anything else. So if you find yourself needing someone to talk to, reach out to Gene Kim. His number's in the back of Bob Goff's book. <laughs> just kidding. But hit him up. I'll hit him up on a, on the instance. He's just a he's a um, wealth of knowledge. He is patient and kind. Yeah. So really, we're salt and vinegar on tour because I'm none of those things. So, but we get along. We get along so well. And he is one of the kindest and most loving humans you'd ever want to meet. I just think he's the best. And he makes great coffee. Yeah. Crewbrew.com. Check him out. Um, use code DADU, and I'm sure it'll charge you an extra dollar. Um, <laughs> he put his super fancy espresso setup in a Pelican and, and brought it with him. This case must have weighed 100 pounds. That's amazing. We were doing celebration at uh, Magnolia in Waco. Yep. And we were all staying in a house, which was nice. I made, I woke up and made everyone breakfast burritos. A little intimidating cooking in a Magnolia house, you know. Yeah, you got kinda, Joanna Gaines breathing down your neck. That's right. uh, kind of per- not kinda very comfortable. Kind of perfect. Yeah. yeah, candles smell amazing. But Gene just was making espressos for everyone. It got, let's get something clear. There is no X in espresso. This is true. Please stop saying espresso. It's espresso. That was just a public service announcement. Sorry, I like it. If, sorry if I got a little aggressive there. Spoken but. like a true Italian. <laughs> right, basically. Um, anyways, Gene is just the best. Abner and Amanda, Berlin, all these people are just salt of the earth. Um, some quick highlights, though, is watching Gene uh, tame club PAs, which is always just fun. Um, we had uh, DPA capsules out, and Amanda's voice is butter anyway. Abner's got a really great voice, too, but yeah. the DPA capsules were just a million um, and then also we had a visit from our friends at Pinstripe, which we need to get Charlie on the podcast because okay. um, they make some really great products that I'm going to tell you about real quick, uh, only because I really believe in him, not because he's told me to. Charlie's kind of super smart and nerdy, so uh, it'll be good. You'll probably have to referee because I'm the opposite of smart and nerdy, and you're kind of halfway between us, so. <laughs> I think it'll be a good, intelligent conversation. But uh, Charlie, for years, has been making products that us live guys really need. Perfect example is if you use a SPD-SX or uh, if you have one of those uh, guitar modeler pedals, yeah. Walrus ACS-1, the, the, the uh, UA-1, all these uh, 
iridiums. Yep. Uh, the the gain level difference, mic line that it has to go through when it goes through a DI and so forth and so forth. Super nerdy stuff. It's not really great. Your sounds feels a little squashed. You're having to gain it up at the console and blah, blah, blah. He has created several products that allow you to keep that flat the whole way called the Disso Plus. There's a couple of variations of it. One that sums, one that lifts ground, um, one that flips phase, and there's one that doesn't have any of those. But super great. We started using them at church a while back, and they really open up the modeling guitar sound. So is the form and factor like a DI, or what's it the, is okay? So it's, it's like, like a guitar, guitar pedal yeah. slash DI. Cool. So it's a DI for modelers and electronic things. Like if you have an electronic drum set at your church, and you're taking the left and right out, or taking individual channels, you want this stuff because. You're not going to have to shift your gain so much. And uh, uh, also, he came out with something recently that I'm still testing, and I think he's about to release it. So clearly, my, he sent it to me to appease me, not because he really needs me to test it. But how many of you guys use wireless um, packs for your acoustics? Same thing there, getting your signal from your acoustic into the wireless, out of your wireless into a tuner, and the, out of a tuner back into your console. Right does that mic line shift a few times. And so he has created a new pedal that is called WRLS or something short for wireless. And anyways, it's awesome. But I would love to have him on the podcast sometime, Jeff, because I think that he's so smart. I think I, we can challenge him uh, to talk in layman's terms a lot too for morons like me. Great. Um, but I love his products. Anyways, he came and listening to him and Gene in Berlin talk was amazing. Um Jonathan Berlin, who is the auxiliary player in The Swim, is also a mastering engineer, also has a vinyl-making studio. Really? Yeah, just, just a brilliant human. We need so to talk to him, him too, talk was super fun. Yeah, oh, yeah, it would be amazing. But had a fascinating time talking to him. I learned a few things, which was just really great. And I just uh, loved uh, so many visitors on the road. I gave away several tickets uh, for some MXU fan, Sam from Life Church. Popped in on one. Marcus That's awesome. from Skylark popped this on one. Just uh, your family popped in on one. Yep, they loved it. You know, there was just so many great people. So, That's anyways, so cool. well, back to the pinstripe thing, just for a second, for people who want to check it out, uh, pinstripepedals.com. and the product that Jay is talking about, the product line is DISO, DISO, and it's basically a line isolator. And so, there's tons of configurations and options, but go check them out because it's awesome. It's really great. Um, so that's what I've been up to, and now I'm home for a few days, and and I'm headed to Laguna this week. Uh, so it's great. Where uh, you were in Atlanta while I was gone? Who did you eat? I with? was. So I was working with our good friend Todd Fields from Worship Circle, and they did their annual retreat, which they call Rest. It's basically a chance for all of their cohorts of small groups of worship leaders to come together in person to have a retreat. So. This one was at Stone Mountain at the Evergreen Conference Center. So it's a oh, yeah. nice hotel. Really I went to a homecoming or something there years, you know, back in my youth. That's funny. Who'd you take to homecoming? Uh, I took a girl named Chelsea. This was actually my freshman year of college. I came back to go to Little Cradle her. Robin. Yeah, yeah. She was my girlfriend. Uh, was a year younger than me, so I came back to go to her homecoming there. So, you there know. you go. Well... It's a great it's a great setting. It's right on a lake. It's right at Stone Mountain, beautiful, you know, out in the woods kind of thing. And um, it's a chance for all these worship leaders to uh, they've been meeting virtually, you know, on Zoom and stuff throughout the years. Then they get together in person to connect and do some more networking and meet with their coaches, which are people like Matt Marr and Charlie Hall and Christian Stanfill and Christy Knuckles and Melody Malone and all these great, wise, experienced, world-class worship leaders. Did I see Charlie was there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Charlie's awesome. Love, so, love some Charlie. so at the end of the retreat, they wanted to make an album. A couple of years ago, they did a recording of hymns, which has been received really well, tons of YouTube following and just really great arrangements of traditional hymns that were done in this live setting. Well, the great thing about having a retreat with 250 worship leaders is that you've got a really great choir at your disposal. And so we went to the soundstage at InTouch Studios, which is where 
Dr. Charles Stanley and all of the In Touch Ministries content is produced. Oh, was Jorge there? Oh, yeah. Worked with Gosh, Jorge. I love Jorge. Jorge, Jorge and Onyx was there mixing broadcast and I listened and it sounded so good. Onyx, yeah. if you're listening, um, I think Onyx has gone back to Puerto Rico for see the fam for a while. Um, but if you're listening, Onyx, incredible job. And then Michael Corral was there doing monitors, so I didn't have to worry about mixing from front of house, which was great. So I had my LV1 set up and was mixing basically front of house for the audience so that they would have a mix to sing along to. And then the in touch crew and Jorge and all of his guys were managing the capture in their recording studio. And it was, it was great. It was 11 worship leaders. So there were 11 songs. Each person led one song and it was old school songs. So like Matt Marr led your grace is enough. Charlie Hall led, um, marvelous light Todd led step-by-step. Step. So it was like Rich Mullins, Charlie Hall, Matt Marr, all these classic songs, uh, on you day, you know, just songs like that. And it was just so fun. Christian Stanfield led, can you feel the mountains tremble? It was just awesome. So yeah, what a great song. The, um, the live stream is going to be up for, probably another week. So go to worshipcircle.com, check out the live stream. But then when the album comes out, you got to get it as well, because it's just such a great experience, really, you know, intimate worship from a, a setting of being led by great worship leaders. And, you know, the whole idea is to kind of let the crowd lead the experience. And so these, these folks who were there just sang their guts out and it was just, such a cool environment to be a part of and to be around just people who feel like family. Todd and I have been friends for 25 years. Aaron Hawthorne was there managing the kind of the technology for the stream and he, planning, planning for the rapture. Well, yeah, because the Nephilim did build the pyramids. And so if you ever <laughs> want to talk about that kind of stuff, Aaron's your man. Um, but, you know, just being around great friends from such a great, Oh, time Trent in my Austin? life. We just have history together. Trent Austin playing drums. What a legend. Yeah. And Jacob Suter is the producer of the record. So it's just, he did all the arrangements. He played keys. He played keys. Jason Horde played mandolin and guitar. Alex Nifong on guitar. Heath Baltzigler on bass. I mean, it was just taking it old school. It was awesome. Oh, man. Yeah. We got two out of uh, two out of four or five, according to John right there. I know. <laughs> taking it way back. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, I watched the stream, and it was awesome. I texted a few people. I think I texted you too. I yeah, texted you did. Onyx, but yeah, it was uh, great. Yeah, so I thought it was good. If you um, are part of a team that has a worship leader that could use some encouragement and coaching, and maybe be a part of a group like that, go to worshipcircle.com and check it out because it they're doing great stuff. It's an incredible ministry, and I know your worship leader at your church would benefit from being a part of what they have to offer. So check that out. But today we have a great interview with our good buddy, Nick Kofal from Summit Integrated. And the great thing about this interview is that he and I had a chance to talk a lot about things that don't have a lot to do with system integration. So I know you're going to like hearing from Nick and we'll get to that right after this. Well, I'm excited today to be joined by Nick Kofal, my good friend and uh, one of the owners of Summit Integrated in the Boulder, Colorado area. Nick, how are you doing, buddy? Man, I'm doing great. It's a good. beautiful Friday morning, and uh, man, I'm I'm excited to be here. Excited to chat with you. It's always a fun time. Yeah, man. So uh, thanks, thanks for having me. Yeah. So the last time we saw each other was at the MXU Live event back in September, about a month ago. And uh, most people know this because we have already given you shout outs on the podcast since then, but you guys did what you do best, which is you cared for people, you provided hospitality, you kind of set the stage for what the vibe in the gathering spaces was, and it was awesome. So thank you personally from me to you and your team for yeah. just caring for people so well, because I think that's, to me, that's what you guys kind of have become known for over the years is just your heart for people and the way you care for not just your 
clients and customers, but the way you care for the church. And it's just, it was so evident at MXU Live this year. Uh, I know people had a blast and it was due in large part to what Max and Rachel and the team did in terms of snacks and conversation areas and little pods of furniture for people to just sit and connect with people and have great conversation and, and all that. So it was, it was definitely a different approach than what most people would think of as a quote sponsor for an event. But that's kind of what you guys are about. Like you want to do those kind of things in a different way anyway. And so to bring that to us and to bring that to our team and to our attendees was just awesome. I can't tell you how grateful we are. Man, I appreciate you saying that. And honestly, it's so hard. Um, it's so hard to explain to people sometimes when um, they approach us about sponsorships or, hey, we want you to do this or do that. And um, man, for the most part, we turn a lot of that stuff down. Um, and it's just not exciting to me to, I don't know, maybe I just don't love it, but the traditional, you know, set up a little stand in the corner and hope that people stop by. Yeah. Um, for me, I'm, I'm a person of action and I love to like kind of get my hands dirty and, and put my hands to things. And so, um, I don't know, maybe it's just my ADD or something. I just can't stand there for that long. You don't want to um, hand out so, brochures all day and just try to hope no. that people walk by and buy something? No, for <laughs> me, man, it's like if we can make an investment into the community, um, which is what I saw at the MXU Live event, it was something that we just say yes. We jump all over. Um, and I love how our entire team kind of has embodied this um, and everybody's bringing their ideas to the table of how can we make this special? How can we create space for people to find each other, for relationships to happen um, and for people to just spend time together. Um, yeah. And so I got to watch that. And, and honestly, I was, uh, it was like a physical representation of something that I feel like the Lord's kind of been dealing with me about and kind of been rolling around in my head and my heart for the last couple of months. It's just, um, one morning I've been doing this thing where I just get up really, really early in the morning and spend some time, uh, quiet before the Lord and just in a house with no hustling and bustling and things moving around. And ultimately, man, I came across, um, you know, in Matthew 20, where it says the son of man didn't come to be served, but to serve. Um, yeah. and, uh, really lays out this clear picture of if we truly want to be great in the kingdom, we have to really learn to serve. Um, that's what he came to do. And um, in the verses before that, he talks about leaders and authority figures who kind of love to show up and throw their weight around. Um, but this is, but the mark of greatness. Um, and if you're really it is serving um, and you really have to look at life through that particular lens and, um, and man, to be honest with you, I, I was standing at the MXU live event. I was walking through the lobby and I was just looking at my team running coffees and doing different things and putting stuff. And there was this, uh, amazing moment of like, I was super proud. I felt like a dad just watching my whole team, uh, connecting with people, um, and doing a lot of the grunt work, um, to just trying to make sure that people had space for community to start to happen, right? The seeds of community were happening in a lot of those different places. I saw conversation literally everywhere, um, you know, that I could, uh, that I could see. And for me, it really is this thing that I think it's tough as an integration firm to be able to go, man, in these moments, we really need to get out there. We really need to sell. Um, we really need to put ourselves out on display or we really need to make sure that people know how to find us. We really need to make sure we have this, 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 and this. Um, and in reality, I just kept hearing from the Lord, like serve, not sell. Hmm. I don't want to be just another integration company. Um, and that's no offense to anybody else that's out there. And that can sound super arrogant, man, but, um, it, that's not how it's coming across. I hope, uh, my heart is ultimately, how do we encourage, how do we inspire, how do we serve the bride um, you know, the American church culture, so to speak, um, and be able to go, man, like, how do we really begin to show up um, and to can really, really come alongside of people and help them? Um, I think that's really the true mark of greatness. It's not who's the biggest company or who can do the craziest, you know, installs or who can do, you know, the most cutting edge technology. It's like, but did we serve? Yeah. Um, those are the things that I think really matter kind of mulling around in my heart for a little while. That's so cool. You know, I think it's all through the Gospels, right? Jesus says, the greatest among you shall be your servant. Now, I th that's not to say that, 
okay, in order for me to get what I want, I've got to have this posture of service. And that's not mm-hmm. what we're talking about. We're talking mm-hmm. about just a conviction that says, I want to be like Jesus, and this is what he did. And so mm-hmm. no matter what comes, I need to mm-hmm. do this as a as a believer, as a as a husband, as a dad, as a friend, as a business owner, as an employee. Mm-hmm. That's just that needs to be an overflow of what's in my heart. So yeah. it's it's interesting because I think it, this this is something I've been thinking about a lot too. There's there's this idea sometimes that um, what we do in our church life or our home life or our personal life can be separate from what we do in our work life or our business life. And I've been convicted by the fact that, you know what, my life is my life. Mm-hmm. It has to all be one thing. It has to all be an outpouring of what God is doing mm-hmm. in me and what I truly believe. Because if I have mm-hmm. a different if I have a different expression of my faith in my work than I do in my home, mm-hmm. that's a big problem. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's a little bit of a part of this too. It's like, you know, as you're as you're being convicted about this in your quiet time and you feel like the Lord is saying, Hey, you need to serve. Mm -hmm. Well, why wouldn't you make that a part of what your team is all about and what your business is expressing? Because they're so intertwined and connected. Yeah, no, I think you're, you're hundred percent right. And I think the thing that, um, if I'm honest, I I think, uh, you know, which I think I can be with you (laughs) is to say, (laughs) um, I'm a pretty competitive person. Um, I know that about you. And uh, if there's uh, anything that we can be competitive about, I'll do it. Right. I think I, at one of our project openings, I ended up getting rooked into a pull-up contest with one of the pastors. <laughs> you know, it was just like randomly. Yeah, let's do it. I had a dress shirt on, but it was no big deal. Um, and, uh, and I won. So um, of course it's you fine, did. But, <laughs> I mean, I'm not patting myself on the back here, but um, I think that, you know, as a business owner, you always want to be uh, the best. You always want to be, um, you know, out there in front, you always want to be leading the pack. You always want to kind of get to the tip of the spear and whatnot. And, you know, I've just been wrestling over the last several years of like, what does it mean to be successful? Um, what does it mean to be uh, great? What does it truly mean to be, um, you know, at the at the top of your game? And And at the same time, like, I'm starting the more and more that I read in scripture, the more and more that I'm realizing like the words of um, my friend Ray Hughes, um, who was a mentor of mine, ringing in my ears. He said, so many on the path to greatness get tripped up by fame. And I think that mm. uh, for me, I really start to have to ask this, the question of myself of what is my definition um, and what is of success and what does greatness really mean to me? And for the longest time, it was like, it felt like, oh, well, if it almost like fake it till you make it right. It's like, well, if we, if we have these types of projects under our belt, if we're doing these types of things, then absolutely, you know, absolutely we're great. If we look a certain way, if we're showing up a certain way, so many of the things I think we can look at are superficial. Um, and so many of the things are, um, so much of the measure of success, um, that I think we look to a lot of times really doesn't have that long lasting kingdom effect. Um, and I think that for the longest time, man, I've really, uh, struggled with this whole idea because I'm like, well, it needs to look this way. It needs to be a certain thing. It needs to be, we need to, you know, beat out this person for this job, or we need to, you know, whatever the case, we need to have this level of clientele to be whatever. And in reality, man, I don't think that's really it. I think that for us, I've been insecure my whole life and going uh, and struggling to fit in, be successful and want to be looked at in a certain you know caliber. Um, and if I just read the scripture and if I allow the, the Holy Spirit to convict me, um, the thing that I really need to understand is this whole idea of serving. Um, yeah. And my... My wing three on the Enneagram um, is really good at being a chameleon and being a performer and, you know, continually, you know, being able to kind of like push and to drive and to be competitive and all that kind of stuff. But I'm on this mission right now to go, how can I love people well, um, to choose Jesus and the kingdom at every chance that I can? And if I'm going to do that, then ultimately that immediately compels my heart to serve. Um, and it's a completely different type of conversation and realizing it doesn't really matter um, 
how I dress, what I look like, what projects we have under our belt, what, um, you know, what we're trying to do as an integration firm uh, from a project perspective, which all that stuff is amazing and I love it. Um, but my goal is to go, did we, did we actually leave an impact on a community? Did we serve them well? Um, and uh, did we come alongside of the Bride of Christ and really help them do what they're trying to do, which is reach people um, and ultimately share the gospel? Like, that's the most important thing to me. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, and I think, you know, the all the other stuff is going to follow, right? It's, mm-hmm. just, it's just taking, again, you know, the kingdom is upside down. And so just that phrase, he who will be greatest among you will be your servant. It's like okay, that that's an upside down sentence, mm-hmm. but when you when you abide in that facet of kingdom work, all the other stuff is going to be added. It's going to take care of itself. So it's mm-hmm. like yes, you do good work, and the installs are really well done. Why? Mm-hmm. Because that's the best way to serve people. Mm-hmm. You know, you guys do have the best swag in the game. Your merch Appreciate and your <laughs> you know the the stuff, but the stuff that you give to your clients and other people who are part of your family uh, you know it's the reason that it's a $20 t-shirt and not a $5 t-shirt is because you want to serve them well because right. you know the reason that it's the coolest sweatshirt and it's super comfortable and you know it's it's not because you're trying to show off the fact that you know how to buy a good sweatshirt no it's because you want to serve people right so right it's and as as people get to know you and your company and you know, whether it's you or Max or Tyson or Darren or whoever they interact with any of the project managers, you just got to have a cup of coffee with you guys to know that that's, that's where your heart is. You know? So I think, I think it's right on. I think, you know, there are plenty of people out there who can do good work. A lot of, Mm -hmm. there are a lot of teams who have guys who can, hang speakers in the air and run cable and build racks in a really beautiful and effective way. Yeah. But I think, you know, what you're talking about is more about long lasting impact and really instilling a picture of what a healthy team can look like to the teams yeah. that you work with. And that, you know, that's something we've talked about a lot in the last couple of years is, you know, how can we, how can we encourage tech leaders in churches, ministry leaders, pastors, worship teams to be a healthy team. And I think, you know, these kind of things that we're talking about are really the foundation of what all that looks like because it impacts communication. It impacts, Mm -hmm. you know, longevity. It impacts um, just feelings of positivity over resentment, trust over suspicion, all of those things. It's like, that only happens when we all have the mindset of how can we serve each other. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I'm not saying that the quality of installs, um, please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying quality installs don't matter um, or uh, making sure that the, you know, the tech and the pieces there um, that have, that are selected there for the church for said project is doesn't matter um, for me. I think it's a both and uh, is really what's kind of going on in my heart and going, man, there's, there's a level of um, impact beyond the beauty of the install um, that I think is really important. And for us, like the team that we've assembled here, the team that we're um, I I literally spent four days this week um, in pretty intense meetings with um, just our client relations team and, just talking about impact. Impact is what gets us out of bed in the morning. Um, and for us, it's it's not only just being able to go, cool, we're associated with these churches that are doing really killer things and reaching their communities and um, in some really, really creative ways. Like we love that. That's amazing. But also too, it's like, man, the, the person that we get to work with and interact with, um, you know, at the church is really... Um, you know, it's, it's super important to us, that relationship that we form and the ability to take this beyond a a business transaction, so to speak, and move it into a place of relationship and partnership. And I think that, um, you know, over the years, as we've, um, you know, started to see, like, there's a lot of relational language that's thrown around. Um, it's kind of the buzz thing to do at this moment, but, 
Um, in reality, we just continually keep going. There's a lens that we're looking through around this whole idea of service. Um, how are we serving our clients? How are we serving the church? How are we serving the vision of the community that we're working with? Um, because each one of these communities is different. Um, yeah. and, and what God's called them to is different. Um, and their you know, styles are different, and that's okay. There's room and space for all of it um, at the foot of the cross. There really is. And I think that's the beauty uh, of this thing called the American church culture that we get to find ourselves working in. But, um, you know, for us, it's it's a place of going, man, like we really, really, really love that we get to be a part of their success stories. Um, we really love being able to be a part of the impact that those, uh, you know, communities are making. And I mean, just a, a handful of weeks ago, we just came off of a really big project for um, uh, Convoy of Hope, which is an amazing organization. And part of their mission right now is to feed a million kids a day. Um, wow. And it's like that to me around the world is just unbelievable. And some of the programs that these guys are doing, putting their hands to um, just from not only like training people um, and, you know, in life skills and all kinds of really cool stuff, but the humanitarian efforts and feeding efforts that they're doing for kids, but then also even like teaching farmers how to farm better uh, and to use, uh, you know, some different techniques to be able to get higher yields, which then helps sustainability and all kinds of really neat things. But we built a training center for them. Like we helped uh, build something there. And to me, I was just moved and overjoyed that like, man, we get to be a part of this incredible thing and be able to make an, an impact with them and to give them a tool and a resource so that they can train missionaries and leaders all around the globe. Yeah. Um, that to me blows my hair back, man. Like that's way, way, I mean, the, the PA is great. I think the, uh, the LED wall that's in there is probably one of the largest ones I've ever seen. And it's probably the most gorgeous, um, that I've seen in a, in a hot second, but and our team did a killer job. But for me, it was standing around listening to the stories of all these people from all these different countries that were talking about how they're serving. And I was just so overjoyed that that's the kind of stuff that we get to focus on. And I think that, um, and that we get to come alongside of and help. I think for my early years in my career, um, you know, here at Summit, I'm growing on, going on uh, almost 11 years here now. And it was just about being the best. It was just yeah. about trying to like grow the company, grow the organization, um, and be the best, um, you know, company we can be. Well, to be the best, it's, it's really about turning around and going, okay, how are we internally growing as people and as humans, um, into the likeness of Christ? Um, and how are we bringing that heart and that mentality to the clients that we actually work with. Um, it's, it's a both and, um, we can't, I can't call it great if we're not doing great work. Um, right. but also I can't call it great if we're doing great work, but we're dying on the inside. Um, and our people are dropping like flies and, uh, we're not a healthy organization and we're not caring for one another's hearts and we're not being, our behavior is not being driven by our values. Um, if we're not doing those things, then, um, man, we're, we're in a mess <laughs> and I don't want to do that. And yeah. so I'm just trying to figure out like, how do we continually keep focused on the main things, which is um, being who God called and created us to be um, not trying to be anybody else, um, not trying to be cool. Um, and ultimately, um, you know, and not trying to be famous, but ultimately trying to uh, focus in on, on making an impact um, and coming alongside of folks and serving them as best as humanly possible. That's so cool. Um, it's funny because people who have been around Summit for a while have probably heard the phrase, gear follows vision. We've talked yeah. about that before on the podcast. We've talked about that in other live events and things like that. And I feel like, you know, that's that's sort of the external, right? That's the, okay, we need to understand from a customer or a, a potential client what their vision is so that we can make sure that the gear the actual work, the spec sheet, mm -hmm. and the product list satisfies their vision. But what you're mm -hmm. talking about now is an extension of that that goes beyond the external, right? It's This is the internal piece. Gear Follows Vision is about them. Mm -hmm. Serve Over Sell is about you 
It's about what's in your heart and what's a part of your team internally to go, Mm -hmm. okay, are we positioned in a way that says, if, if we get this right and we get the gear follows vision piece, right? then mm-hmm. this thing is going to be firing on all cylinders so that you can stand at the back of the room at a place like Convoy of Hope and go, that is something that I'm proud of, not just from a execution standpoint, but man, I get to be a part of what these guys are doing because yeah. I know I know their vision, I know the gear is right, and I know we've served them well. So that is like the trifecta of a, a huge out-of-the-park win. Yeah, and... And man, I'll be honest, we don't, um, sometimes those things get out of balance, um, and we're not perfect. Um, but I'll be, uh, the first one to tell you, man, that every single day, this is the mission of our heart is to go, okay, how, how are we positioned right now? What's the posture of our heart? What are we doing in this moment? And how are we, how are we continually growing into the likeness of Christ? Um, I think, uh, every single day is a new day and we have an opportunity to move in that direction. Um, but if we're not growing and evolving as humans and as people, um, and growing in our kingdom mindset, then we can say gear follows vision all day long. But in reality, a lot of that is just going to feel flat. It's not going to feel like it's actually coming from the purest of motive. Um, In reality, what we're saying is gear follows vision, and that's a neat tagline, and that ultimately is a neat uh, thing that resonates with clients, and that helps us get clients, and then it grows our business and all these things. But if we're not growing in the likeness of Christ and keeping um, our hearts in check, um, our pride in check, um, and our motives in check, um, and, and rallying around this whole place of, well, Jesus came to serve. Okay, well, cool. That's why we say gear follows vision. Yeah. Um, we're trying to serve the vision and the mission of the church, um, not serve in a vernacular, just in our vernacular and use some neat words um, to hopefully be able to get a project and put, you know, food on the table. Um, I mean, that is a neat and noble thing, but in reality, for us, it's going, man, if we're always in the posture and position of serving, I think a lot of the sales aspects will take care of itself. I totally. think a lot of the the business aspects will take care of themselves. Um, and if we're constantly serving, then that means we're going to push for excellence in every single thing that we do. Um, I'm not just going to throw something together and be like, yep, it's good. I served. No. Like if your heart is truly um, after the Lord and you really are moving into this place of service, then ultimately um, you're going to bring your best to the table. Um, And ultimately from there, that is a a way in which we're serving the clients um, that we get to work with, which we have one of the coolest client lists ever. Um, I love the people that we get to work with. Um, and I'm just so grateful uh, for the opportunities. Um, but really, this is something too that allows us to step into a place of um, living out our calling um, and living out what we believe um, God, God has called and created us to do, um, which is to use our crazy technology-focused minds. Um, but coupled with this place of our heart is to serve and to care deeply uh for the bride of christ and so we get to it's kind of this two-pronged approach which is just i'm just thankful for man and i feel giddy like a little schoolgirl right now because i'm just (laughs) like so happy with just what the lord's doing in us and what we've been able to see um and the partners that we get to work with so that's so good so you know it's it's pretty clear that that um posture will lead to different kinds of conversations right Mm -hmm. so as you guys are talking to current clients, potential customers, the church in general, what what are you hearing these days? Like, what are people struggling with? What's the conversation like that may be different than it was five years ago? In other words, are there any trends that you're seeing? Are there common themes that tech directors and pastors are trying to grapple with? Like, for somebody who's at a local church right now listening to this, Maybe there's maybe there's something that they could glean from some of these conversations you've been having. So, is there anything that comes to mind? Well, there's a couple of things that come to mind. I think um, one of the things that's starting to become more and more uh, common is that we're starting to see 
churches that are launching campuses again. Um, I think a lot of those things sort of went away or went on pause during mm-hmm. the pandemic. Um, and we've had a lot of conversations lately of, hey, man, we're going to p- plant three portable situations in the next couple of, uh, you know, months or, or you know, handful of months. Um, different things like that that we're starting to see, which is really exciting because I think people are have kind of they pulled back and we're like we we don't know what's going to happen from an economic standpoint and mm-hmm. also there was a lot of people who um you know haven't come back yet um to darken the door of a church since the pandemic they're um and if they are they're coming maybe only 20 percent of the time um you know kind of a situation and so um they're going okay well it's it's time for us to go and plant. It's time for us to go out. It's time for us to serve. It's time for us to lean into, um, you know, some of the more philanthropic efforts around um, how am I loving my city well? Um, Because obviously just the, if you build it, they will come mentality. I don't think is working. Um, Let me just put up a brick and mortar situation and everybody's there. Um, They're just going to show up just because that was normal. I think what we're starting to see is people going, we've got to figure out a way to put our heart on display and to love our city. Um, so what does that look like? Um, serve days are starting. I'm starting to see that a heck of a lot more. Yep. Um, I'm starting to see um, so many different churches that are working with um, and strategizing with, um, you know, outside organizations such as Convoy to be able to go, how could we create some distribution centers uh, where we could actually help feed our communities um, and go to the least of these um, and to make a connection um, and to show the love of Christ um, in that community, which I'm just digging. Um, on top of that too, I'm, I'm starting to see more and more churches that are picking up going, Hey, this is more than just, a, um, a campus. It's that we're starting to see how we can go into some of these strategic areas, um, with new, newer church plants. Um, but also too, there's a handful of different folks that are, um, building retail spaces, um, mm. and building ways in which they can get community to gather um, and to have multi-use facilities, which I think is uh, pretty cool because there's a lot of people who have buildings that are sitting empty uh, pretty much five to six days a week. So then how can you then serve, use that facility as a way to serve the community um, at large? I um, love that. And it's been really, really cool. Um, and I'm just, uh, we've got a handful of those types of projects right now in the works, um, and different churches that we've talked with. And, um, that kind of stuff just seems exciting to me, um, to be able to go, Hey, we're not just going to build this, you know, we can, I I mean, and it's effective for a lot of folks, but we're just going to build this box, um, this black box kind of theater and ultimately, uh, put out a sign and, you know, people are going to come, come join us. That's great. And that's cool. But I'm seeing so much more of a missional mindset of going, man, we're going to go to people um, and we're going to bring the love of Christ with us um, and we're going to serve our communities, which I think is just fantastic. Yeah, that's great. My church here in Greenville a couple of years ago had an opportunity to um, purchase a, a dormitory from a local college that wasn't using it anymore. And they had you know, the resources that were available and got favorable favorable financing to be able to go in and purchase this dorm that is now housing units for transitional housing for folks who wow. may not ever darken the door of the church, but they're serving them in such a way that they're presenting the love of Jesus in a way that's irresistible, providing yeah. a way to meet real needs for these folks. And they are coming to church and getting involved in recovery, getting involved in what we can do for their kids and getting involved with how we can care for them holistically. And yeah. it's just been a phenomenal thing to see, to go, this has really not a whole lot to do with what's happening on Sunday morning, but it right. has every, everything to do with meeting people where they are on a Tuesday, because yeah. that's where their real need is. Yeah. The scripture is pretty clear that, I mean, our job as pastors and leaders is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, right? right. And so I think there is this equipping moment that happens. Um, course, discipleship yeah. is happening. Um, but what are we discipling into? If all we're doing is creating a space for us to have Christian Country Club out on the outskirts of town, um, and we monopolize you know, all of the time in the week with just more and more you know, 
services and, you know, different things to do at the church, uh, you know, then ultimately we're missing out on this engagement and intersection of bringing Jesus to our communities. And so ultimately, um, you know, I think that what I'm starting to see is as churches are the successful churches, the churches that are really, um, you know, taking this two-pronged approach of like, yes, we have phenomenal services. Yes, we have discipleship opportunities and small groups and all these things. Like, as we as we approach those things with excellence and um, as God's called us to and created us to do, and we're moving in acts of service um, and moving in acts of justice um, and moving in philanthropic efforts, um, it's kind of where that rubber meets the road. Um, yeah. It's the things that we've learned over here from the Lord and from Scripture we're actually now applying, and it's becoming applicable, and it's being lived out um, in my everyday life. And so I think that, um, it's how we interact with our, you know, the barista that we see at the coffee shop every single day. Um, it's the, you know, it's how we show up in the workplace, uh, that matters. It's how, uh, we intersect with culture, um, you know, around us in the city that we live in. Um, you know, what are people, what's the residue when we walk away? Yeah. People say, man, I, I, something's different about that person or something's different about that guy. Um, or is it, wow, that guy was a jerk, <laughs> you know, or wow, that, um, you know, whatever the case may be. And man, as, as I'm looking at this, um, there's so many of the different uh, communities that I'm just grateful that we work with that have created um, a space that's beautiful uh, for their church to gather. Um, but also there's this empowerment um, and missional component to all of it uh, of going, hey, take what you've learned and now intersect in your city and bring the love of Jesus everywhere you go. Um, I think that that to me is one of the most refreshing things um, about what we get to get to see from our vantage point totally. in the body of Christ. Well, it's the best and probably only way for the community at large to know that you're putting your money where your mouth is, that you actually practice what you preach. Yeah, I, I love it that that's a trend that you're seeing, and I hope I hope that people listening are doing the same because I think you know that is going to be the way that people actually meet the irresistibility of Jesus is because it's being lived out, not just talked about. Yeah, and I think that's the uh, it's unique. I think for us, you know, even when we continually say Gear Follows Vision, it's that kind of stuff that we want to know. It's those types of conversations that we're diving into. Um, and stewardship goes beyond the dollars that are spent on technology or spent on, you know, a building project or whatever. How are we stewarding the vision of what God's actually called us to um, yeah. as a community? Um, how does that get played out in our actions every single day? Um, how are we waking up with that mindset of going, okay, the vision is clear. I don't need to go up to the mountain again and, uh, you know, get my stone tablets out and wait for a thus say at the Lord kind of moment. It's like the vision's really clear. Uh, he came to serve, not to be served. So then how are we um, every single day aligning ourselves with that particular focus of going, okay, yeah. if my heart is to, is to follow in Christ's footsteps, then I'm here to serve. Um, and if I'm not serving, um, then I'm not following in the ways of Jesus. It's that simple. It's like I'm being led by my pride or my greed or my arrogance or my uh, my own desires for fame or fortune or success or any of those things. And man, I'll tell you, none of that stuff really matters at the end of the day. Um, that, that crap is not good. Yeah. <laughs> and ultimately, man, we have to be able to lay that stuff aside and become a little more self-aware of what's really going on internally, uh, mentally, um, and physically and spiritually to make sure that we are putting ourselves, um, into this place of service and putting ourselves in the path, walking the path of Jesus. It's the most rewarding thing. Um, it's the most satisfying thing is when you're in step, and in rhythm with the Lord going, how can I serve? Um, Love not because you're like, Ooh, I want to, I want to look like I'm humble today. No, that's <laughs> not it at all. That's your motives are whack. Uh, if that's what you're trying to do, but, um, man, it, it really is kind of fun. Um, I actually found myself 
just giddy yesterday um, having this conversation with a handful of our team. And I'm just going, man, I love that we're all kind of sitting in the same position and we were geeking out on different creative ways in which we can serve. It's just like, what? <laughs> this is nuts. But I love um, that. yeah, it's just, it's exciting. It's really exciting. Um, it's way that. more fun. I'll say that. So in those conversations, uh, you know, when you talk to tech leaders and pastors, what, what are people struggling with? Like, what's the, is there a common theme for where people need help? Yeah. Um, so there's a couple things that I'm starting to see in some of these conversations. Um, I think there's a, a, and I think I've said this before on this podcast, um, where I'm still seeing, um, this need for hard, honest dialogue and conversation between leadership and tech leaders and production folks, um, and creatives. Um, there's this level of like, um, dysfunction that I see, um, where it's like, man, just, we need to get in a room and actually have a conversation. Um, there's a lot of, um, when it comes to conflict, I think a lot of people, um, find themselves in this place of shying away from it. Um, I, I personally think it's one of the most um, beautiful ways in which we can actually show who Jesus is and lovingly walk through conflict with somebody um, and be able to share hard truths and to share hard things. But coming, um, everything is filtered through the lens of love. Everything um, is being filtered through the lens of kindness. And, um, and ultimately, we have an opportunity to really put what we believe about Jesus and who he's created us to be on display, even in conflict. Um, and I think it's so challenging sometimes in the body of Christ, um, because in this thing of like, well, that's my boss, but he's also my pastor kind of Mm -hmm. a deal. There's like this, well, how do you have that? Right. Well, uh, you tread lightly and you wade into those waters going, Hey man, I'm just struggling with this and I need help and I need clarity. Um, and I need help to understand where we're trying to go or why this situation happened or this kind of thing. I'm seeing that. I'm seeing uh, burnout like no other. Um, it's still a topic of conversation. I don't know. Yeah, it's massive. Um, I don't know why we still continue to think that, um, you know, filling our calendars and schedules the way that we do um, is going to lead to a place of, um, you know, rest and joy and peace <laughs> and all those things. Um, I think we still think busyness um, is the is the is the mark, and that it looks like we're important, and it looks like we're um, you know doing something that matters. Um, and in reality, man, I think uh, I think sitting at the feet of Jesus and finding rest um, in in who He is and being in His presence, I think, is super important. And it's something that. We think, oh, we'll get to that later in life or we'll get that eventually when we take that vacation or whatever. Mm. So I'm seeing some of that that's still at play. Um, And then I'm also seeing a lot of churches that are going, man, like, how do we reinvent ourselves coming out of this pandemic? And I know that's a couple of years ago, but they're still trying to answer those questions because now they're starting. Some of them are starting to see attendance come back up or they're starting to see. Um, you know, the finances are starting to slowly, um, you know, but surely get levelized and come back to a place of going, okay, we kind of are starting to see what our operating budgets are, but how, what do we, how do we balance what we feel like we wanted to do prior to the pandemic with where we are right now in this post pandemic kind of era? Um, and so I think that that's a struggling, uh, it's a struggle for folks to figure that out just yet. Um, and, um, and so I'm, I'm seeing all those things across the board. Well, I think what we need to do is get you to come to Knoxville and we'll film some content for the MXU platform on these kind of questions because we've got a ton of videos on how to turn a knob and push a fader. What we're going to be building is more content around these kinds of things, how to be a better leader, how to be someone who knows how to deal with conflict, how to how to lead in such a way that says, I understand the vision that my pastor is putting out and we're going to do our best to execute that in an excellent way. So I, there, there aren't many people who have your heart for this and have uh, such an influential voice in being able to speak the truth to some of these guys in those areas. So um, let's figure out how we can make that happen. Cause I know it'd be super helpful, man. I would love that. I think, uh, it's, it's literally a conversation I get into 
uh, almost weekly, um, trying to help folks navigate stuff and be able to lead up. Um, and then also how do you lead yourself? Yeah. I think that's another thing. Um, there's a lot of folks that have been placed in leadership right now, um, who are going, man, I, I stumbled into this. I don't know what I'm doing, you know? Um, well, uh, if to rip off, uh, uh, I had a friend who, who I said exactly that a handful of months ago to a friend, um, and she stopped me and she goes, do you believe scripture to be true? And I said, yeah. <laughs> she goes, well, then do you believe when it says, uh, you know, the steps of the righteous are ordered uh, by God? And I was like, yeah, I believe that. Then she goes, stop saying you stumbled into this. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I was like, well, okay, you're right. I'm wrong. I'll pray about that. Thank you very much <laughs> for that punch in the face. Um, but the truth is, man, there's a lot of folks that don't know what to do now that they're in this position. They're literally going, oh my gosh. And there's this element of imposter syndrome uh, where people go, man, I don't know why I'm here. I shouldn't be here. I'm just, uh, you know, I just found myself into this position and they just threw this at me. Um, No, God put you there. Um, Mm. So now what, right? What's the, what is it that he's asking you to put your hands to? And um, if he's called you there, then he's going to give you the grace to sustain it. Um, but it's you, so many of us try to put our hands to it and do it ourselves as if it's like some big, you know, 800 pound gorilla Herculean lift. And it's like, Oh, I'm going to do this in my own strength. Okay. That's where you're wrong. Um, mm-hmm. and so ultimately it's like, what is, what do we need to do to make sure that we're leading ourselves and that we're staying close to the heart of Jesus and that we're walking in grace and humility, um, and ownership for the fact that he brought me here. Um, he put me into this position. I didn't. Um, okay, cool. That takes a lot of pressure off. Now all of a sudden I can take a deep breath and go, okay, God, if you called me to this, then I need you to equip me for this. Um, well, part of that means I've got to pursue the heart of Jesus. I got to make sure that I'm, uh, taking care of my junk so that I can actually lead, um, from a place of overflow instead of leading from a place of fear, um, or empty or any of those types of things. And so ultimately, man, I think there is a level of that that we're seeing. There's a lot of lot of people that have found themselves in a leadership position in the last two years that went, uh, I was just a high capacity volunteer. Why am I doing this now? Like this just <laughs> fell into my lap. What am I supposed to do? So I think there's a level of like, man, we really want to help folks. We really want to come alongside of them and resource them. So if there's any way that we could do something like that with uh, coming to Knoxville, man, I would jump at the chance because that would be just a rowdy good time. I'd We're going to do it. And I, I think, honestly, the last two minutes of what you just said is a word for somebody today. There's somebody who's listening who goes, that's me. So just know that you were not accidentally thrown into where you are. You were placed there by a sovereign God who is directing your steps if you'll just submit to him. So I think that's a pretty good word to end on. I love it. Yes, sir. Man. Thanks for for having me on and thanks for letting me rant a little bit about what's going on in in my head and my heart, man. I I appreciate you guys so much and uh, we love you. I love it. We love you too. And it's, it's an honor to be a partner with you and we can't wait to see what we're going to be able to do next. I love seeing what you guys are up to and um, just love, love that we get to do it together. So thanks for being with us. Thanks, man. Appreciate you. Man, I think Nick and Tyson and a lot of his crew over there are some of the, some of the smartest, but let me tell you what I love about Nick. Nick is a vinyl head. Yeah, he is. I love that so much. When I was at his house, not too long ago, we had caught up for dinner. He was like, you got to sit in this seat. This seat matters. And he was just <laughs> telling me about all of the vinyl stuff, and it made me feel like I had a Fisher-Price set up for vinyl. Um, <laughs> yeah, but he's, just so he's, got, he's got some time and uh, care that has been invested in making yeah, that. He's just right. wise, the way he loves his family, yeah. the way he wants to support his team, the way he's championing churches, big fan of the Nick Fall, And he's a handsome fella. He is. He's got a nice attention to detail on the beard and the clothing, and he's just an all-around great I felt like you making eyes at me when you said attention to detail on the beard. Do I need to shave? No, I think, you know, honestly, Jay, I wouldn't hate it if you went back to the whole just long beard, short hair look. I miss my long beard every day, but I told my mother I wouldn't. 
And so what did I do instead? I grew my hair out. And kept Does my she hate that too? Yes. Honestly, <laughs> she would be perfectly happy if I had a comb over and looked like a doctor. <laughs> no, she'd be more happy if you actually were a doctor. If you were a doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I say, it would just remind her that I'm not a doctor <laughs> and that I didn't do what she wanted me to do. So I can't, it's a lose-lose and lose scenario for me. Well, I think, I think if you brought back the, the shaved head and the long beard, I would, it would make me smile. I miss that. Also, because I hate dealing with hair on my head. Hate it. Yeah. Don't mind it on my face. Hate dealing with hair. It is time for a haircut. So please, uh, please go ahead and submit your suggestions for a new haircut. Maybe we should do a poll. Yeah. Have people comment under the podcast link on Instagram of what Jay's new haircut should be. I wish I was uh, going bald because I would rock a skullet so hard, but I'm not. That's the other problem. I got plenty of hair. Yeah. I could see so, I could see you doing a mullet. Yeah, I could I could rock it. So well I appreciate you, bro. Yeah, that you too. Awesome. Yeah. It's always good to see you and uh, can't wait to see you in person again. I guess it may I mean, I hope it's before passion, but we'll see. Yeah, I'll probably check in with Liz and Stella, see when they want to hang out. <laughs> well, you need to come up for Lewis Barbecue just some random oh, day. I would love to. Right, I would bro. love to so much. Well, we'll see you next time. All right, man. <laughs>